Hello, we are Maximum Viable Podcast of the Simon Podcast Network. This is Raj Malhotra. And with me here is... Hey, hello, Todd Nutella. No relation to Satya Nadella. And today we're going to talk all about a lot of things. What are we going to talk about, Todd? Ourselves, products, and probably most importantly, why we're making a podcast. Yeah, we, we should probably start with why we're making a podcast, because aren't there like a million podcasts? I mean, about this topic, maybe. I'm not really sure. Truth be told, I don't really listen to that many, but there are probably a million of them. I know there's always some asshole in the Bay who wants to talk about their startup, and I just wanted an excuse to make fun of them. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I guess comedic licenses do come cheap these days in times of COVID. Everyone seems to think they're funny and everyone's baking sourdough bread for no fucking reason. Oh, Jesus, yeah. My Instagram feed is like a weird bread porn subreddit. Who knew yeast could be so erotic? So, Raj, why should anyone listen to us talk about products anyway? Well, I mean, this whole concept started because we got frustrated with small, awkward problems that we noticed pretty much everywhere we tried to use software. And honestly, we just wanted to complain. But I will say that being a product manager is kind of the new hype these days for all the fucking MBA grads that are coming out of B-School. And we should probably give them some solid advice on how to be a PM. Oh, 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 Devin, Devin, Devin. That reminds me. Speaking of B-School, let's, can we talk about mini CEO? No, 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 no. Actually, you know, we should probably make that into its own episode. Um, but just as a primer, if you think you're a mini GM or a mini CEO of whatever the fuck, you should probably reevaluate your life. Yeah. Okay. How about this? Some free advice right now. A short preview. I interview a lot of interns. And if you're interviewing with me or anyone, don't ever say the phrase mini CEO. Okay. We should, we should probably move on. How about, how about we just introduce ourselves? Oh, yeah, I, I could talk about what I work on, what products I've released. Uh, oh, do you want to hear about my backlog? No, 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 no. What, what happens in your backlog stays in your backlog. But, you know, I've been a PM for a few years now in the finance, e-commerce, and the aerospace world. What about you, Todd? Oh, you want to talk about me. So I've been a PM for about eight years. I work at a software company in the Pacific Northwest. And before everyone assumes Seattle, that could be Portland, could be Seattle. Technically, it could be Spokane, but it's obviously not Vancouver because I'm definitely not a fucking Canadian. Sorry, Canada, love you. <laughs> do, do Canadians make bad PMs or something? Why are you hitting on Canada? It's no, They're not bad. It's just I'm not polite enough. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, that's definitely coming through. All right, we should probably get to the main stuff. So let's start with our first segment, who's on top and who's on bottom. Is this the segment where we talk about a feature that we appreciate the most in any app, service, or tool, and a feature we hate in most any app, service, or tool? Why, yes. How, how did you know? Must be because we started writing the script together. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the script. Okay. All right. Well, um, my top for uh, this week probably will have to be Google Podcasts, because honestly, like I, I normally use Pocket Casts across everything, my iPad, my phone, my computer, uh, but Google Podcasts, out of nowhere just because I was trying to um, listen to something real quick for a reference. It was the quickest listening experience I think I've had for some kind of a podcast situation. Why is it that all of these podcast app are so apps are so difficult? Like you just want to listen to something, not construct a playlist for the next seven years. That's probably a future episode, huh? Podcast apps. 
Yeah, yeah, it should probably be a future episode, uh, perhaps a podcast, podcast episode. Uh, podcast, podcast, podcast. Podcast. Um, what about you? What's your top? Well, I'm going to have to say my top is two-parter. First, I'm going to have to thank Ikea as the inspiration for my true top, which is the Eufy doorbell. Uh, I have the wired edition, although I've heard the wireless is just as good. Opening the box was like better than an Apple unboxing. It had all of the instructions written out with the cute little cartoon type situation. It had all of the parts individually labeled in baggies by step. And even an idiot like me who's really not comfortable with electronics and, uh, you know, electrocuting myself was able to wire it into my doorbell, transformer and all that. It took like five minutes. It just works. It also doesn't force me to upload my data to the cloud just to use a goddamn doorbell. <laughs> that makes sense. But wait, I got to ask you, are you, it kind of seems like you're one of those people who kind of succeeds at the first attempt when you're trying to, I don't know, build something from Ikea. Is that, is that you? Absolutely. I played with a lot of Legos as a kid. Uh, we're we're not counting like when you put the uh, the bookshelf shelf in backwards so that the unfinished side is facing outward, right? That doesn't count. No, of course not. That just makes it look rustic. <laughs> exactly. So, that's 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 what I'm going for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know. first time every time. <laughs> first time every time. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your bottom then? My bottom for the week is probably going to have to be just just opening this podcast with a hot take. Google Docs. Every time I use oh, Google wow. Docs for any productive task, I'm just immediately frustrated with how the thing it's supposed to be good at, multi-editing, doesn't actually work if you're trying to edit the same thing. And the comments look like they're straight out of 2007. Wow. Shots fired. Wow. Yeah, shots fired. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess if we're going to go with a you know heavy hitter like that, my, my 800-pound gorilla at, at bottom is uh, Zoom. I, I can't have multiple profiles right now because we were trying to switch between, you know, how we were going to talk to each other and look at each other. I wanted to switch between my you know personal account and then my company account. And honestly, Google OAuth just doesn't work. It's, it's actually quite sad. Quite sad. You're down in the Bay Area, right? You're willing to reveal that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am down in the Bay Area. <laughs> It all makes sense. Though. There's no difference between work and not work. You're just working. Uh, uh, all right. Well, we kind of need to cut here for our appetizers. So we'll be back with another segment right after this called. Hey, I've actually wondered when you're reading the ad read, do, do I go somewhere? When you say we'll be right back, does that mean like we pause or I like go to the bathroom or how's this work? No, no, no. no. Just, uh, just put yourself on mute while I actually read the ad. This is a low-budget production. What do you think we are, NPR or WNYC Studios? (laughs) Okay, okay. This episode is brought to you by Lackluster Capital. It's like Wonder Capital, except all the money just goes to coal projects instead of solar projects. Why invest in renewables when you Hey Siri, put me on mute. Wait, seriously? You you waited 14 seconds before saying that? You could have just shut the fuck up and we would have been to the next segment by now. Sorry, my iPad doesn't want to cooperate. Can you read that again? I'll hit mute this time. (laughs) Jesus. This episode is brought to you by Lackluster Capital. It's like Wonder Capital, except the money just goes all to coal projects instead of solar projects. Why invest in rubles when you can invest in clean coal? That is Lackluster Capital. Lackluster Capital is not an official company. We were just making this up for a fake ad. Can I unmute now? Yes. All right, so uh, another segment that we want to work on is This Week In with a particular topic. Oh, yeah. You know, the Vergecast has a segment just like that called This Week In 
Well, the most recent one was this week in Elon, where they literally just gave a five to ten minute update about the crazy shit that Elon Musk did that week. By the end of this segment, though, it was up to like 15 minutes. Oh. <laughs> you know, I should probably listen to the Vergecast, huh? I mean, anyway, uh, this week we will be talking about GitHub Codespaces. Oh, I think that's actually a good idea, though. I don't want to make fun of Codespaces. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we can still make snarky comments as long as we review what we think is a pretty good product strategy. Like, do you want to give the listeners a summary of what it actually is? Yeah, sure. Okay, so everyone, pull over in your cars. Imagine it's 1978 and your home computer is barely powerful enough to run PC-DOS, but you can dial into the local university mainframe and write code on a shared computing platform as long as it's your turn. It's just like that, but in 2020 and with a web browser. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that. You could have just said it's like Google Docs for CodePen, bro. I mean, of course, our similes have to literally reference two SaaS products to each other, but Seriously, it's a way to collaborate on writing code in the browser without having to download an IDE like VS Code or something from IntelliJ. So as someone who occasionally codes, I actually think it's pretty dope Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I've been obsessed with trying to go as lightweight as possible for a few reasons. I'm a wimp and I can't handle hot weather. And so although I'm trying to bike more, like the bigger, heavier backpack on my back while I'm biking makes me gross and sweaty so i'm trying to go down to just an ipad but (laughs) i'm an occasional coder i contribute to a few open source projects at my company and just bringing around a laptop purely for writing some python code feels dumb and so if i can just fire up a browser and like it i've got an editor i've got github i've got the ability to like run ci jobs all in the browser that's actually i'm down yeah it's it's a good strategy because i mean of course your use case Yes, motherfuckers, I said use case, deal with it. This is a product podcast. But more so, you know, it allows those with less compute resources in middle or high school to be able to quickly collaborate on writing code. I know a lot of schools tend to have iPads as their main way of digitally, you know, giving coursework and classwork. So that's one thing. Chromebooks are probably another one. So as long as you have a browser, you know, it's pretty good. Because, like, I remember in college, my Java class... (laughs) unintended actually, um, made it uh, against policy to work with other students, which I think is bullshit. Like the real world requires cooperation to ensure that we get shit out on time. Plus, you know, avoiding major merge conflicts, you know, if we're being picky here. You know, I can imagine the next, what? Wait, what? You mean like, what do you mean when you say you couldn't collaborate? Like you just had to write everything and not ask anyone like, oh shit, I forgot if it's an int or a big int. Like you just couldn't do anything yeah no not at all i mean like so it's two things actually if we're gonna go into this i mean first is basically that like stack exchange did not really exist in full form back in the day so couldn't really cheat with that one and the other one was sometimes the final exams were not even on a computer you had to write the code down on paper uh and you'd still be dinged for syntax error it was so stupid how old are we i don't want to talk about it. <laughs> i didn't think <laughs> but, we were that old yeah, but that, that's literally what I went through. But anyway, if we're going to get back on topic, I, I can imagine that like the next wave of students, you know, could be used to GitHub Codespaces, kind of the way we all got used to Microsoft Office or Google Docs, you know, as we came through school. I mean, Microsoft has always owned productivity. And again, uh, you know, as a Google Docs hater, there have been many attempts, uh, both at my company and in my life, for people to replace the Office stack with something else. And most of them have failed. And so now they're just expanding into what's the new thing? You know, when when we were 
when we were a little bit younger, knowledge workers were mostly working in Excel and, and Word and PowerPoint. They were like synthesizing knowledge and sharing it out through those documents. But now the artifacts are increasingly code related. Uh, I'm not one of those people who predicts that everyone's going to be writing Jupyter notebooks, but um, more people, more people <laughs> will. I don't think everyone needs to learn to code. I don't think everyone is going to learn to code. Um, but if Microsoft can now go after that, like expanding knowledge worker, you know, low code, I think is a phrase that Salesforce uses for this. And a couple of other companies, Airtable, are going after this like low code market. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take that much work to fork something with a good readme, change a few variables and like run a simple JavaScript node app or something. Yeah, no, I mean, that totally makes sense. Like at the end of the day, you know, low code is probably a good way to think about it. I actually hadn't heard of that term before, but like I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know, another benefit is it can teach kids when they're much younger, instead of just being passive aggressive, like saying a comment on word, hey, you spelled this wrong. Now it's teaching them how to go through code reviews and lie to the PM about when things yeah. are going to be done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they role play like that in school, even today. I mean, if anything, they should probably do other kinds of role play, like who's on top, who's on bottom. Hey, okay. So, I mean, like, you know, Todd, do you have any final thoughts in terms of what GitHub Codespaces should be, what the future holds? I, I think it's pretty interesting. I know a lot of... Um, folks like if you watch hacker news people have been spitting up versions of this on their own with like microsoft code server and and a bunch of complicated stuff but just like github made git easy i think it can make this web ide easy i will say it's an awful name and you know how i know that code spaces is a terrible name how because when we were writing the script we kept calling it the wrong name that means <laughs> it's not good that's uh, true that's true but they should have just called it like GitHub IDE or GitHub Dev Environment or bonus points if they just say container, containerized GitHub development Docker funding. I mean, I don't think they're a VC backed anymore, dude. Oh, so they don't need the buzzwords? No, they don't need the buzzwords anymore. Uh, uh, you know, I'll bet you Microsoft like planning meetings can be just as vicious. <laughs> to justify budget, they need to make it sound even cooler. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? That does sound kind of like Microsoft. I'm just going to say two words to you. Windows... Vista. Oh, fuck. We got to cut to the next ad. This is probably the best time to do it before we get into Windows Vista stuff. Speaking of money, do you remember your first day of high school? You put on your best shoes, your best outfit. You even get your mom to drop you off a block away from school so the cool kids don't see her. When you walked in the door, you had two goals. Get everyone to notice you and get someone to sleep with you. Do you want to recapture that feeling now that you're in your mid-30s? Get a home loan with Foreclosed. Instead of looking at traditional metrics, Foreclosed has a patent-pending AI-assisted risk evaluation process. They only plug in three factors into their models. One, are you popular? Two, are you attractive? And three, were you fuckable in high school? Act now if you want the feeling of being judged by those who, for no reason that you can explain, hold power over your future and would like excellent rates on mortgages, refinancing, and more. That's foreclosed without an E, because only the weird kids do E. Hey, so I guess now we should probably go into the serious topic, not just kind of dick around. Um, but how, it's our first episode. How do we properly introduce this segment? Well, I think what's in style right now is the hard cut. So the serious topic for, you know, this episode is going to be about personas. You know, are they overused? Are they underused? 
Um, and we actually did a bit of research uh, for this episode. And honestly, there's a lot of stuff we can kind of go into. There's a lot of documentation. We'll post a few links into the notes of this episode. So if people want more context, they can easily go there. But really, you know, as a big picture thing, there are two ways to kind of think about this. The first one, you know, is just making sure that you understand the distinctions, you know, between what an archetype is and what a persona is. Both of these things are used by both software developers, software teams, product managers, in order to better understand how to create a particular product. So archetypes can be something that are like super large abstractions, like technical power user versus standard user versus senior citizen user, you know. Uh, and then personas kind of get a bit more specific. It's like Karen, mid-30s architect, mom of three kids. And then, you know, all of that has their own implications in terms of how frequently they can use a particular piece of software or whatnot, what they care about, what they don't care about. Um, and honestly, as I did this research, uh, Todd, from my side, you know, it's actually quite linked to something called story writing, right? You know, which in today's world is kind of how product managers define a task for an engineering team to work on. You know, and at some point we stopped making them into actual stories and just used them as templates that made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so like at the worst case, like you, you'd see something like, as a user, I would like to be able to click on a button to be able to go to the top of the page. Here are the requirements for the design and placement of this button with like no references to the persona that you probably spent like three months making. <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe it's like somewhere a little bit better, like Karen, a 34 year old architect with mom. <laughs> Karen is with child and she doesn't know how. With child. <laughs> As a Karen, I need to know how baby pregnant. <laughs> or, you know, it'd be like Karen, a 34-year-old architect and mom of three kids needs to be able to click a button to go back to the top of the page. Here are the requirements, blah, 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 blah. Which, you know, sure, plus points for using that persona, but it still, like, makes no fucking sense in the big scheme. So make it a story, I think, is what I'm trying to get to, you know. A good story tends to be something like Karen, a mid-30s architect and a mom of three kids, leads a busy life. She loves to shop on her website, so let's make the browsing experience a little bit easier on her by having a back-to-top button on our pages. Blah, 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 blah. You know, make it a story so that like a designer or an engineer or a tester or frankly another product manager knows why we even bothered to build this functionality. And honestly, like at this point in listening to this, <laughs> the two listeners that might be there, if you're the PM who thinks that you don't have time between all the meetings to be able to write stories like that, then honestly, just quit being a PM because 98 out of 100 times, this is the shit I see. And it annoys me when my team tends to work on stuff like this. It gives no one any empathy, cause, or motivation to work on that feature or functionality. All right, my rant's over. <laughs> Todd, what do you think? Well, so you touched on a couple of things, it's a couple of feelings for me, man. You know, my persona would say has feelings. <laughs> and, and that's maybe one of the first problems. So, like, I see where they come from, right? Like you said, you, you have an archetype to help you classify oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's classifying the skill level of the user. Um, because use cases frequently get divided into, like, noob, not bad, and fucking power user. Uh, and so you write a story like, as a noob, I want to be able to, um, perform a computation that like the math underneath it is really scary and complicated, right? Like, let's say your uh, AI is really popular, right? I want to make a prediction of how my sales will do. 
Um, and so you want a button that says like predict. And if it needs to ask for parameters, it very friendly is like, how long do you want to predict? And what, what do you want us to consider to think of like dimensions or whatever? But uh, okay. So you have a noob user and you have a power user where it's like, they just want to write the Python code themselves. So you just pop up a code editor. And then you decide to give them names and make them a little bit more human. And it just kind of grows from there. But eventually you have like Karen and you have Jimmy, the power user. And Jimmy is recently recovering from an anime addiction. And Karen has three <laughs> kids, but she doesn't actually like her middle child because the middle child is kind of sassy right now and is turning 12. But it's like none of that has much to do with generally has much to do with the software that you're actually developing. I'll get to the story rant in a second. But I'll tell you what really annoys me is they the whole point is to develop this context like noob. OK, let's give noob a little bit more of a personality. So it's Karen. But what does that have to do with what you're building most of the time? And people are more complicated than a one page summary. And so uh, you, you have that back to the top button thing, right? This is a debate that I've actually had in some of my teams. People assume engineers designers software product managers we assume that users if they're labeled the noob type are just idiots they don't know how computers work they're the dumbest fucking creatures to walk this planet they could not possibly be trusted i kid you not to know what the browser back button will do and so we need to have our own back button that's prettier and closer to the content and shinier so that our noob users won't be scared. Karen is scared of that browser back button. She won't be scared of our back button. And it's like, <laughs> why? Well, because she's a busy person and she doesn't have time. You know, we want to keep the eye focus on the content. And it's like, why? Karen knows how to drive a car. She knows how to drive a car because all cars work the same. She knows how to drive a browser too. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And so I've, I've seen personas misapplied in this like, Karen isn't real. Jimmy isn't real. There is no person who wants to manually write code for everything in their day job. There are people who claim to want to be that, but those people aren't actually real. They'll take a shortcut if it's given to them. And then the noob users are rarely total idiots. Okay, on to stories. So the context I find problematic most of the time. But then it's even more relevant when you break it down into a particular story. So like, where do stories come from? In the simple case, like what we often do these days, or what I think we do is it's like, hey, uh, Raj, I want to build, I want to build a rocket ship. So um, you're like, cool, but why? You have to you have to convince me to give you money or you have to convince me to give you time if you're an engineer or whatever, right? And it's like, okay, okay, you're right. I should it should be more than just the what. It's the what and the why. I'm going to go write something. A spec, a bunch of user stories, uh long-form narrative documents I think are coming back into popularity. But like you write a press release is another really popular one. You write the press release first, right? You yeah, do this thing where Amazon you, does. That's what Amazon does, the PRFAQ. And it makes sense, right? It's like what are you gonna at the end of the day have and why and what why are customers gonna be excited? So you write this out and it's like as a as a telecommunications company, I want a reliable rocket ship because NASA makes me take two years in between launches and I need to launch them faster because there's massive growth in Latin America and I just want to get more satellites up. Okay, fine. So you have like a what, you have a little bit of a why. It helps people understand and maybe it influences requirements. Maybe you only need rockets that can go in a particular type of orbit or whatever, right? And so cool. 
I think that's a totally valid product exercise. But what does it get used with? Story you, writing? No, no, no. You know the five-letter word I'm thinking. Say it. Agile. Yes. Oh, shit. Now, I got it right. Now, now I know Agile is probably going to have to be an episode or a whole fucking series on its own. But Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's going to be to be its own thing. But when you take this narrative, this real like value that you have, and you're like, all right, well, a team can't deliver on that. We need to break it down and write specs and make sure that it's designed and we want to try and ship it incrementally, which, okay, let's try and ship a rocket ship incrementally, but let's try and do it incrementally and, and all this stuff. And so you break it down and break it down and break it down. And then you're fighting with the scrum master, the engineering master, or engineering manager that it's got to be smaller and smaller. And pretty soon you have, as a satellite engineer, I want a button. What does that button do? Who's it for, though? Why well, do see, I care? See, the button, what it does doesn't fit into the sprint, so you had to split the story. So that one's just, there's a button. And then <laughs> the next story is the button uh, calls a handler. But we can't actually finish the full implementation, so it just returns like a mock. <laughs> this, and is, then, this is cringing. Oh. And then and then the third story actually like wires up whatever that button is supposed to do. Of course, the rest of the larger system isn't in place yet. But so you get what I'm saying. Like, software engineer doesn't need a button. Nobody needs a button. The button just needs to exist because it needs to exist. There's no like touchy feely reason. Ah, sorry, I'm starting to go off on agile a little bit too much. But I think it does relate back to personas. Because I think the context that they provide is like useful for early design or something, or helping yeah. you identify markets. But once you really get into the day to day, it it's like Karen doesn't need a button. Just the app needs the button, okay? The app needs the button to be there because there's gotta be a button for someone to click. Yeah. No, I mean that makes sense. And I mean look, Agile is probably gonna be a little too touchy feely, so that's probably gonna be its own episode. But you know, like, what are kind of your final thoughts on when it comes to personas and kind of bringing the story to persona relationship together? So like I said, I think they are useful when you are evaluating some early directional stuff. When you're in that like big narrative document phase, if you're writing your press release or if you're writing out all your user stories ahead of time, but like you're writing them together, not one at a time, and you're building out a feature or a direction or a strategy, it's useful to know that like, you have some dummy users, you have some power users, you have, you know, very commonly in business to business software today, the space that I work in, you often have like IT focused products and you have end user focused products and you have some products that try and hit both. And so like, it's totally yeah. fine to define those different segments you're going after. And it's fine to give them names, but, but stop there. Like once you have that direction, just break the work down in the way that makes the most sense for your team, not in the way that a consultant told you is fancy. Yeah. Uh, and then we're just one other final thought, which is like, so you mentioned that you like, you've mentioned to me before that you like your engineering team to ask questions and understand why they're building something. Yeah. And I don't disagree. But sometimes I think we're a little too kumbaya and I just want the button on the fucking left side of the screen. And the reason I want the button on the left is because it's my job to know that the button should be on the left. Please don't make me write a seven-page doc with a bunch of stories and then like go do user interviews. We've already done our research. Please just, you can ask why, but just trust me, the button should be on the fucking left. And then I'll trust you that you know how to build good button code. Those are our jobs. It's my job to tell you where to put buttons. It's your job to make buttons. <laughs> All right, this is getting really touchy-feely really fast. So I think I'm going to close it out um, with a slightly... Um, tighter distillation from my side 
I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I think depends on the maturity of an engineering team, but what really is more true than anything across all teams is we need to make sure that we use these tools the way they're intended and not just over-index on them because some scrum master coach or agile coach said that this is the best practice, right? In fact, we're probably going to go into this in a later episode about agile and just the shit that the industry has turned into. Um, and, you know, that's just going to be its own thing. But what it means here is in practice on our day-to-day, just do what's best for your team and like make sure you provide enough context and don't break things down into atomic levels and pieces, which don't then end up making sense in the bigger picture, right? Like prioritizing stuff matters, but at some points, like, there are things that might take a little bit longer than two weeks and that that's okay. Like just have an understanding with your engineering team. Like don't be so worried about the metrics of, you know, burn down and all that fun stuff. Just write good stories so that people know why they need to actually work on something. And then if there are things that you need to sort out, you just sort them out. Yeah. Sounds super easy when I say it, but then, you know, it's a massive pain. In the then we try and get it done and it's a little different, but but at least, <laughs> at least I think that's a good uh, uh, guiding principle. Yeah, no, I'd say so. And, you know, this is kind of the point of this podcast, right, is to make sure that we have honest discussions that might sometimes turn into a rant, but really are pointing at things that no one can really say for fear of getting fired. And so if you want to use this as a reference, that would probably be a terrible idea. And you might just get fired for referencing this podcast. But at least for your own context, you know, we really hope that this gives you um, a better way to move things forward with your team. Um, but yeah, that's it. I think uh, we should probably close it out. So um, I think it's my time to read uh, us out. Is it my turn or your turn? I think it's my turn, right? I think it's you, Raj. All right. Well, today's episode is produced by Raj Malhotra. Our executive producer is Todd Nutella. And special thanks to no one, because we literally just started this podcast. We if are, like however, heard... recording this on Mother's Day. So special shout out to all the moms out there. Special shout out to all the moms. My mom's super dope. I'm sure your mom's super dope as well. Um, if you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast at a variety of places or the listening app of your choice. But really, you know, you'll go find it at anchor.fm. Uh, and also, Pocket Cast, best way to listen to our podcast once you find it. Yeah, that'll be one of our tops soon. Yeah, for sure. Siri, stop recording the podcast. That's that's not how it works, dude. I, I have to press a button, and we gotta wait for some of this music to stop. So, 